Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. Pick it up kind of where we left off. We're jumping around a little bit, but we're kind of going by themes. The New Testament, how many books in the New Testament? 27, yeah. Someone said three. Three sections, right? Three sections, right? 27 books, three sections, and the numbers are, are there on your screen. Uh, so what's the first section? History, right? It's, it's uh, like one of the sections in the Old Testament. What's the second one? Letters, right? 21, and then the last one? Prophecy, that's right. And uh, so in this section of history, uh, who can just shout out the... The five books of history. There we go. It's not that hard. See, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Okay, so, so you got that much. And uh, so that's the, that's the whole section of history. And you've, you've heard about, hopefully you've read uh, a, a bunch of the, the history that's found in these five books. How about the, the letters now? Uh, I broke it up into three fives just because I like fives, as I've shared with you before. And uh, breaking it up because, uh, you know, three fives doesn't equal 21, obviously. But if you add one or if you add two and you add three, that all adds up to uh, 21. And the reason we can do that is because we have first and second Corinthians and... First and Second Timothy, First and Second Thessalonians. So you can add these different ones, but you don't need to. If you just remember one, you've got both, right? As long as you know. So the first two sections are written by Paul, and then the last section is what we call the general epistles or the general letters. Uh, we're not there yet, but can anybody tell me who some of the general letters were written by? Huh? Peter. Peter, right? Peter's one. You got to speak loud. I got an ear problem here. John, right? John the Apostle. Anybody else? James. James, yeah. There's one more. Jude. And then uh, there's one Hebrews, which we, we really don't know who wrote it. So R.C. Gep, you remember that? Anybody remember R.C. Gep? What's the R.C. Gep stand for? R.C. Gep, easy, easy. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. R.C. Gep, you're going to have that down because we're going to keep doing that until you can like do that in your sleep. You probably will wake up going, man, I'm thinking about R.C. Gep. Like, what is R.C. Gep? And you won't even know, like, where'd that come from? You woke up. I woke up the other night. And, and I wrote a song like 30 years, 40 years ago, and, I, and, and I've, I've played it once or twice, uh, you know, recently. But I woke up like singing this song in my head, like for no reason at all. And uh, some, sometimes things like that happen. It actually kind of ties in with what I'm going to talk about today. Well, the Gospel of John was written, why? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing 
you may have life in his name. That's why the Gospel of John was written for us. Why we study, why we look at it. Last time we looked at uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through uh, uh, 11 through 13, excuse me, 10 through 13. And we talked about, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, Jesus came into the world, but they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him for who he was, and, and, and then they didn't receive him. But those who did receive him, it says that he gave the right or the power to become children of God. So there's this idea that we need to recognize, number one, who he is. We need to receive him, and we need to believe in him, that, that he is the Son of God. And, and as he said there, the verse we just looked at, we... Through that process, we become children of God. We have life. We have life that we did not have before. And that makes us children of God. So today, uh, we're going to look at John the Baptist. And I want to ask this question, first of all. Do you have a testimony? Now, okay, that's kind of a, a, you know... We use that word in different ways. You use it in a courtroom, right? Well, you know, if, if you get called to the stand for your testimony in a case, like, what did you see? What did you hear? What, what do you know about this particular situation? It's somewhat similar. We, we kind of focus in a little bit more on, on Jesus, but, but it's this idea of what our story is, what our testimony is, what, what's the story you're giving about this? What is the evidence from your life? What's the evidence that you have that you know from your own life? That's what a testimony is. So the question is, do you have a testimony? Now, I can't answer that question for you, but, but I, w- I want you to ask yourself, do I have a testimony? Do I have a story that, that Jesus has come into my life? I have believed, I've recognized, I've received him, I believe in him, and he's come into my life and like changed me. There's, there's something happened inside of me based on what the word of God tells us. I think, uh, you know, your story is powerful. I love hearing people's stories. I love sitting down and just tell me what your story is. How, you know, what, what happened in your life that you came to, to faith in Jesus? And you know, it's a powerful thing to let other people know too. You know, I know when... When I uh, was searching for truth, for answers, one of a, uh, a family friend, uh, I met up with him, and he just told me a story. You know, he told me about, about how him and his wife were, like, uh, on the verge of divorce. And, you know, they were not believers, but, but somebody told him about Jesus, and he surrendered. He gave his life to Jesus. He received Jesus Christ. His wife also did, and their marriage, first their lives were saved, and then after that, their marriage was saved as well, and they're still married today, and that was 40 years ago. But he just simply told he didn't preach at me. He didn't, like, try to force something down my throat. He just told me a story, like, Jesus did something for me, man. <laughs> That's how we talked back in the 70s. Jesus did something for me, man. And, and you know what? He said, hey, there's a church you can go to. It's called Calvary Chapel. You can go. Maybe, you know, they have music there. You like music. Go down there. There's people down there, young people down there. So I went. I said, what have I got to lose, right? 
I'm, I'm sort of giving you a little bit of my story right now, right? But, but it was his story. But it's this testimony that made a difference in my life that affected me. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say. God changed my life. God has worked in my family. God has worked in, in different people, brought us out here and, and, and uh, used us to be involved in many, many people's lives. So the question, do you have a testimony? And I, and I wonder, you know, I'd like to hear your testimony, and I think the church would like to hear your testimony too. Maybe, you, maybe you'd like to get up and, and give us your testimony. Not now. Don't, don't panic. But, but you, you know, you need to do it within a, you know, safe... You need to be able to tell people. We did this with the, the youth worship kids. You know, what's your story? You need to be able to tell us in three to five minutes. What's your story? Now, we all have longer stories, obviously, but can you tell me in three to five minutes, like, has Jesus done anything in your life? If you don't have a story, if you don't have any kind of a story, well, maybe you need one. Maybe you need to receive Jesus, right? But maybe you want to tell your story, and I'd love to hear your story, and I think we should, we should do that, so I don't know if I'm going to... Uh, uh, have a sign-up sheet or something or, or some way of, of giving you an opportunity to, to uh, share your story in the weeks and months to come. But I think it's important. And I'll, I'm going to tell you why as we go along. So today we're going to look at the testimony of John the Baptist, right? Now, John the Baptist was a pretty interesting guy. Now, the other Gospels talk a little bit more about like how he dressed and and like he was uh, what he ate, and he was like he was kind of out there in some ways. He was different, but the Gospel of John focuses more on what his testimony was. What did he have to say? What did he testify about? And that's kind of like where we're going to look today. John the Baptist talked in in the Gospel of John. He brings this out. He talks about Jesus and what he had seen and what he had heard. And what he knew, again, kind of like what our testimony is, what, I, what I've heard, what I've seen, what I know. Let's look in verse 6, John chapter 1. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Now, we know he's talking about John the Baptist because of the context and everything, but, but for one, one other reason is that John the Apostle never uses his own name in the gospel. So, and that kind of gets back to this whole thing we talked about weeks ago about, you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved, but he never actually gives his name. So he's talking about John the Baptist here. He says, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man. So he was not the light, but he was sent from God to share that light. Now, one of the things that John the Apostle brings out, and I kind of have to make it clear when I use the, the name John, he brings this, this contrast out between Jesus and John the Baptist. And, and one of the things John the Baptist is always saying in John chapter 3, which we're not going to get to today, where, where he says this, uh, he must increase, right? But what? I must decrease. So there's this contrast between Jesus and John the Baptist. Now, in today, you know, in today's star 
you know, mentality. We look at these guys and we both would hold them up. Whoa, John the Baptist. Whoa, Jesus. But John said, no, it's, it's all him. It's all him. I, all, all I'm here to do is to testify about that light. I'm not the light. And, and it's true in our testimonies about, uh, about Jesus as well. It's not like I've done anything, but it's all about what he's done in my life. So in that, I'm telling you that, that he can do something in your life. You know, I, I, I get together with my brother and my sister-in-law, and uh, when we go out to visit, and, and, and my sister-in-law, she says, Oh, you're the good brother. And I go, I go like, and I, she says it, and I, and I say to her every time, I said, no, I'm not the good brother. I said, it's Jesus. I've been trying to tell you that for 40 years. I'm, it's, you know, I'm just the same as them. You know, I got the same genes as them. I was raised the same as them. Jesus changed my life. That's the difference. That's what John is saying here. That's what John the Baptist is saying here. He came as a witness to testify. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So for you and I to, to say, listen, I don't know. I'm, you know I'm, just, I'm just a sinful loser, but Jesus came into my life and did something with me. He did something in me. And John the Baptist, I think he could say, and he did say the very same thing. Notice he was sent from God, and I, I think that's kind of exciting because I, I believe, and we've talked about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 before, that, that he has a plan for each and every one of us. John the Baptist had a specific, particular ministry, a mission to accomplish, but does that mean that we don't because we're not John the Baptist? No. It says in, in uh, Ephesians 2, 10 that... that there are works. There's a, a work for each one of us to do, prepared in, in advance for each one of us. And we're like a masterpiece. We talked about that. So what is it that he's called you to do? What's your life? What's your calling? So he came as a witness, and God had a special plan for him, obviously. Uh, he, he came and he testified concerning Jesus. Look at, jump down to verse 15. John testifies... Concerning him. And he cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So again, he's pointing to Jesus and that's kind of what, what, what John does. He's pointing to Jesus and I think that's what you and I have to do. It's not like I could, and like with my sister-in-law, I could say, yeah, I am the good brother, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know, I was just kind of born that way. I was just, you know, I don't know, I just, I can't do much about it. I'm just good. I'm really good. Yeah, compared to my loser brothers, right? I could do that. And what's that called? Pride, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's a danger that we're all kind of, yeah. No, it's pointing to Jesus, pointing to the one who's made us good, the one who is good. And that's what he says. He says, this was he. He testifies concerning Jesus. He cries out, this was he. This is the one. No illusions here. It's not me. This is the one. And then he says a very interesting statement. He says, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Like, what is that all about? Right? 
What is he saying there? He who, he, who, he who comes after me is surpassing me because he's before me. How can he come after me if he was before me? Well, that gets back to what we talked about in John 1.1, right? And John the Baptist recognized that Jesus was not just a man. And again, it's, it's kind of all built on that, the, 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 who Jesus is. But, but Jesus was born, and you can read about this in the Gospels, right? Jesus was born... Before or after John? He was born after John, right? And, and in that society, you know, those, you know, who were born before you kind of had a, you know, and your elders were respected and those, you know, just, it's just who, who was born before you had the greater respect. So Jesus was born after John and yet John the Baptist is saying, that Jesus was before me. Well, how could that be? It's because he was alive before he ever came to earth. It's because Jesus existed before he ever came and took a body, the preexistence, the deity of who Jesus is. You see, he was there with the Father, with the Spirit. He was there at creation. We talked about this. And he... All things were created by him and through him and for him, that is, Jesus the Son, and then he came to the earth. So he existed before he ever came and took that body. That's important for you to understand that. It's important for you to know that. Because if he was just a man, he just took on a body there, he was just a man, he just started his life right there, what good would he be to any of us, right? Because he would be in the same boat as you and I, a sinful, lost soul. Right? But that's not who he was. John the Baptist realizes it. John the Baptist says, you know what? Hey, I, I got something to do, but this is the guy that I'm doing it for. This is the guy that it's all about. This is he, Jesus, the one. This is the light. Now, verses 16 through 18, we're not going to look at those verses today. 16 through 18 is a kind of parenthesis where John the Apostle now talks about Jesus. And he also talks about him, but we've already kind of covered that in the first verses. He talks about him as being the one and only, or the only, begotten, the only begotten one who is at the Father's side in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So when Jesus came to the earth, he revealed, he showed us God. That's why Jesus could say things like, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. You've seen God. So he, Jesus being God, he came, and when he came, he, he showed the world who God is. So, so now back to John the... Baptist testimony, look at verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. I'm not the one that's going to help you. I can't do anything for you. I can't fix your life. I can't, you know, bring light. I can't take you out of the darkness into the life. I can't do that. And, and we, we need to understand, we can't save anybody. 
I can't fix anybody. I can't do anything but to point to the one who can. He said, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the one. Verse 20, 21 says, so they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So John said, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. And they, so they, they said, well, you know, we, we know you're some, there's something about you that's pretty radical. Despite the fact that you eat locusts for dinner. There's something crazy about you and we, we, we need to know who it is. But they were also jealous, right? These are the Jewish leaders. The, and, and they were jealous because... You know, a lot of people were going out to John the Baptist, getting baptized and all that, and they were jealous because they wanted all the people to come to them. You see, they had a very different perspective than John the Baptist. They weren't pointing people to God. They were pointing people to themselves. John the Baptist said, oh, whoa, not me. So they came to him. They wanted to, like, pin him down. So who are you? Are you Elijah? Now, you know, the book of Malachi had a prophecy saying that you know, Elijah would come before the Messiah comes. Well, if you're not the Messiah, are you Elijah? Are you the one that's coming? He said, no, I'm not Elijah. That's an interesting story in itself. Jesus said, well, he is Elijah. But he didn't mean that he was literally, literally Elijah in terms of like reincarnated. He, he came and fulfilled that prophecy that that was about what Elijah would come and do. You can read about that in the Gospels. What do you say about yourself? You know, it's kind of interesting. You think about your story. You know, my testimony, my story is about me in in a way, right? You're going to tell me your life story. Well, it's about your life. It's about you. So, but your testimony is really not about you. It's really not about me. It's, it's not about us. What do you say about yourself? Well, if you want to say anything about yourself, is, and if I want to say anything about myself, is that, you know, I, I was lost. I had no clue. I was trying all kinds of stuff. I Ching, you know, self-realization fellowship. I went to the self-realization fellowship in San Diego where they had their little place and, and I sat there going like, okay, am I supposed to like get something here? I mean, just the name should give it away. Self-realization fellowship. I think the more you stare at yourself, the, the greater uh, disturbed, I think, you will become. So really, it's not about me. If, if there's anything about me, it's, it's that I was lost and now I'm found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I, I was a, a, you know, a completely unforgiven, 
you know, sinner and God came and he saved me and he forgave every one of my sins. So if, if there's a story about me, it's the change that he did in my life. You see where I'm getting, getting at here? John the Baptist kind of had this, this perspective here. Look at verse 23. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Make straight the way for him. Now Isaiah had this prophecy and, and, he, and John the Baptist is saying, this is what you know, God called me to do, to be that voice in the, in the desert, in the wilderness, who had come before the forerunner of this Messiah, of Jesus. And he was fulfilling that. But notice he says, I am the voice. You know that program on TV called The Voice? I signed up, but they said no. No, not really. Some of you might have said, well, really? I'm going to sign up if they let him do it. But the thing about it is, is that every one of us can be a voice calling in the desert. You know, this world, this life is tough. You know, I told, told you a few weeks back about the lady I met inside the transfer station. It's basically an indoor dump. And, and just to be a voice, just to, to, to say the name of Jesus to this lady. You know, that you and I can be a voice. This is, you know, that, that life is difficult to be a voice in the darkness. Not to say, like, like we're so cool. But he says, make straight the way for who? For the Lord, for him. Prepare the way for him. John the Baptist, uh, you know, he was kind of a radical guy. And, and when you read about some of his encounters with, like, the Pharisees and those, uh, he had some radical stuff to say to them. You know, you, you guys are like, who do you think you are? But one of the things that, that John the Baptist had to say, I think, is, is very important. He came like to prepare the way for Jesus and, and to say that Jesus is coming and, and you need to look at your life and maybe there's stuff in your life that, that is keeping you from receiving him. I think that's true. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't, don't think that I'm saying you got to get your life all together and then you can become a Christian. Right? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there are some things that, that we hold up as like really important, like idols in our lives that keep, that keep us from turning to Him. These things that we think are so important, they're like get in the way of us. And even as believers, they get in the way of us growing because we've got these things that are like going on in our lives. He's saying, make way, prepare the way, make the way straight, open up the way for, to let Him in. Verse 24, now some Pharisees who had been sent, these are the real religious guys, they questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And by the way, I didn't mention the prophet as somebody spoken about in the book of Deuteronomy. Someone would come who would bring the truth 
Why do you baptize, he says. If you're not the Christ or any one of these very important ones that we know were prophesied would come, why do you baptize? And it's kind of an interesting thing. So why, why did John the Baptist baptize? Because, you know, thinking about, you know, what, this question about why do we baptize? Why did he baptize? Why do we baptize now? There, there's, there's some similarities... But there's some, also some differences, I think. John the Baptist, he, he preached a baptism of what? Anybody remember? Repentance. He, he preached a baptism of repentance. So, so the idea is when they would come, they would, they would want to humble themselves. They would prepare themselves. They, there wasn't a lot of clarity about what they were preparing themselves for, Right? It wasn't like they, they had received something. They were preparing themselves. This repentance was like a turning direction. It was a humbling themselves. But, but in that, it's very similar in the fact that it was a public testimony, right? They went out. John the Baptist was out doing this in the Jordan River. And, and so they would come out, right, and publicly say, I'm going to repent. I need to repent. I need to turn away. I need to humble myself. I need to get my right, myself right and ready for God. Right? So in that sense, it was very much similar to that. It was a public testimony of, the, of where their heart was. Now, the, now what, what kind of makes a difference in, in, for us, why we baptize now, is we baptize people who have already received Jesus Christ, right? And so they're, they're giving a testimony of something that has already happened, that has already occurred. Of course, it includes repentance. It includes a humbling. It, it, it includes that preparing oneself. We, we never would receive Jesus Christ. But, but it's a little different than that, you know, we don't get baptized and then we receive Jesus. We get baptized and then we get saved. Right? No, it's the other way around. We get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and then we get baptized to tell a public testimony of what we have already received. Do you, do you kind of get the difference here? Is that making any sense? No. It was a baptism of repentance with John the Baptist. The baptism that we do today, as a matter of fact, today, is a baptism of acknowledging a testimony that you have already received Jesus Christ. You have already been changed by him. That is your testimony. That is your story, that you have already received him. That is powerful. They're both public testimonies. They're both powerful things. And I think for some of the, these religious leaders, for them to actually go out and do it, said, well, well ain't no, no way I'm going out to like, tell people that I need to repent. There's some cost involved, though, isn't there? Not just the fact that you may not come back up. There's cost involved. It's a public testimony. You're doing, there may be somebody on that beach that you know. And you're saying, I belong to him. I am a child of God. You're saying. You're letting people know that. 
Look at verse 26. I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. He said, I baptize with water, but there's somebody else that's coming, and, and, and you know, this is the guy. This is the one I'm talking about. Look at verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look. He said, behold. He said, look at this one. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant. When I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me. This is the guy. This is the one I'm talking about. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And again, so what is he, is he doing? He's pointing to Jesus. This is the guy. This is the one. We, we, our, our story should always point to Jesus. If we spend, you know, like, let's say you give your, you know, 25-minute testimony and you spend 24 and a half minutes talking about yourself and your life, that's not much of a testimony, is it? it it's got to point to Jesus. He's the only hope that you and I have. He's the only hope I still have some 42 years later. He's the only hope that you and I have. He's the Savior of the world. He's the one who died on the cross for our sin. He's the one who paid the price that you and I owed. Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John said, look, look at this guy. And, and you know what? We're going to read about this next time. He, he lost disciples of his own because of his position to point to Jesus. They stopped following him and they started following Jesus. Well, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? He says, I'm just baptizing with water. Let's jump down to verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testified that this is the Son of God. He said, I, I just baptized with water. And that's really, it, you know, it's a picture, but, but the Holy Spirit is the real thing. You know, baptizing you, dunking you in water, that's not going to do much for you except get you wet. You know, I know I've talked to people and, and, and many, you know, through the years, well, you know, is, you know what is it going to do for me? Is it going to save me? Is it going to make sure that I'm really saved? Is it going to wash my sin away? Is it going to... No, no, no. The water is, is, is a picture. What, what, what is radical, what does something, it's the Holy, what the Holy Spirit does in, in our lives. When we receive Him, when He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, which is a whole other subject in itself, no matter what your views are about the Holy Spirit, I can say one thing for certain is that you need the Holy Spirit in your life to live for Him. First of all, to be saved by Him, you're not going to be saved without the Holy Spirit. It says that in Romans chapter 8. You can read about it. If you don't have the Spirit of God in your life, you don't belong to Him. You are not His. 
From beginning to end, we need the Holy Spirit of God. But John the Baptist, he's saying, listen, the water is one thing, but this is the real thing. This is the real deal here. It's, it's the, the Spirit of God working. He said, I've seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. I've seen it. I testify to it. Again, his story. I saw it. I was prepared. You know, he was warned. Listen, the one where you, where you see this dove come down and he saw that. He, he saw that when? When he baptized Jesus, right? And the Holy Spirit came down and he said, this is the guy. This is the one. What's your story? Testimony is a powerful thing. What's Jesus done in your life? Has he changed you? Has he done anything in your life? I hope so. If not, he can. And he will if you ask him in, if you prepare the way, open the way, and just you know, get junk out of the way, just to make a path for him into the center of your heart and life. And he will do the rest. He'll do the work. You can't even do the work. I couldn't, I couldn't change myself. I still can't. John the Apostle talks it in 1 John. He, he says the same kind of thing, though, that, that John the Baptist was saying. He says, you know, the, that which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, which our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He said, we, we, we know it. It's reality in our lives. We have a story. And he says, we proclaim it to you, what we've seen and heard, so you also may have fellowship with us. It's a powerful thing, your story. I was looking, uh, one of the verses I, I quote uh, often is found in Revelation chapter 12, and it says this, they overcame him. That is the enemy, the devil. They, over, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. It's powerful. But the rest of the verse says this, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So they overcame him, but that didn't necessarily mean that they were going to be protected in this life. So, so I, I, I looked up that word in the rest of the book of Revelation, and, and, and there was like four other references to it. And in Revelation chapter 1, John says he was on the island of Patmos, he was banished to the Isle of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So it kind of got him into trouble. I just want to be honest with you. Just because you share your testimony doesn't mean everybody's going to think you're the coolest person on the block. In fact, it might cost you something. And I think we're seeing that more and more in today's society where it's beginning to cost us to have a testimony for Jesus. Revelation chapter 6, they opened the fifth seal. He opened the fifth seal. He said, I saw under the altar the, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. They lost their lives because of their testimony. Did the enemy win, though? No way. No way. God won. Two other times it talks about that. Revelation chapter 17 
in Revelation chapter 20. Your story is powerful. It conquers. It conquers the enemy. But there may be a cost. But don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop me from telling people about the, the only one that has the answer. The only one. The only one that you and I can point to. Let's pray, shall we? Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that we can point to you as the one who's changed us, the one who's working in our lives even today. And, and your word says that you have begun a good work in us and you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus, the day that we are before you face to face. Lord, uh, every one of us has a story, a story about what you've done, what you are doing, and what you will do. I pray you'd give us the strength to share it. Let that light come through our lives to the people around us, our families. Not to preach at them, but just to be who we are. Let our light shine. Let our stories come out. Give us those opportunities, Father to point to Jesus, your son. And Lord, as we finish and close here today, maybe there are some here today who have never received you, never have, they have no story because they've never begun the story. They've never let you in to begin to write that new story. If that's you today, you can pray right now with me and say, Jesus, I, I come, I, I humble myself. I turn to you. Please come into my life. I need you today. Forgive me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.